Welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast where we highlight some of the best and brightest in the real estate industry, along with a weekly segment called Industry Headlines. We are a proud member of the Industry Syndicate, family of real estate podcasts, and we are so glad that you are listening and tuning in today, and we hope you enjoy our show. All right, guys, we're back on the Kevin and Fred Show, and uh, today I am joined uh, by Scott Crone and Scott, uh, number one, first of all, thanks a lot for being here today. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to having our conversation and uh, kind of talking about your journey and real estate and investing and in and, and your specialty and, and all that good stuff. So thank you for being here. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. I appreciate it. Really, really looking forward to today. Absolutely. So Scott, why don't, why don't we do this? Let's get started with a kind of a short bio uh, for the listener, maybe who doesn't know who you are yet or kind of hasn't run across you on another show. Um, give, give us a little bit of background on Scott. Who is Scott and kind of uh, how'd you get to today? Well, I, I began in uh, real estate getting my master's degree in architecture um, at Illinois Institute of Technology. And my professor um, also owned a real estate development company that focused on architecture and contracting. And so what he would do is he would have us work on his projects in the office in, during class. And as being his TA, then I would work for him in his office in the morning, go to school in the afternoon, work on his projects, and then do homework for him, which was, you know, his projects again. So we were were working on, I'm sorry. He understands leverage at a high level. Exactly. And so, um, but for me as a student, as a graduate student, you know, I was, I'd rather be working on something realistic and actual versus hypothetical or, you know, you know, just a concept. And so for me, it made it a lot more applicable. And so I worked for him um, while getting my under my graduate degree. And then when I graduated, I also continued to work for him. So my master's thesis was like a hundred million dollar project, 400 men, uh, 400 unit condominium development. And so I worked on that plus also on some other developments for him during that six period of time. And then in 1998, I began Coda uh, for myself and we were a development design build firm. And in 2013, we started getting more into the commercial after the big crash in 08, 09. Um, we started, you know, buying multifamily in 08, 09, but then uh, transitioned to commercial in 13. And that's where we've been focusing on self-storage at that point in time. And we recently just launched our own uh, self-storage brand, One Stop Self-Storage. So we've, we've taken all the management in-house and we're, we're, you know, managing our own facilities now. When, okay, so I, I guess that leads me to two questions. Number one is what was the, I guess, what was the thing or was there something that kind of led you more to, towards that focus on self-storage? And then I'd love to know more um, uh, about how that kind of that second piece that you mentioned, kind of that all-in-one thing piece with it. So let's start with this. Like, what was it about self-storage that made you, I guess, sort of decide to, to focus your, your efforts there? Well, while I was also running our real estate development company, I was also teaching at IIT and I taught second year studio for five years. And um, I was presented with an opportunity to be a a real estate coach. And I I took that as opposed to the teaching, because again, um, I wanted to see people that had a higher level of commitment. And for me, people that were doing real estate coaching were more committed than undergraduate students. And so I got into that and I had a student that was, um, a client, I should say, that was trying to define distressed self-storage. And we were analyzing deals all over the country and we could not find a distressed self-storage facility. And this is in the height of you know, the crash. 
And so I really began focusing and trying to understand why that market was resilient. And we, you know, I began learning more and more about it, but I told him, I said, you know, if you're trying to get into, if you're trying to get into self-storage, developers always make the most money in real estate. If you, if you change the program of something, that's when you can make the most yield. And so we talked about him, you know, buying a property and developing it into self-storage. And we had a client that we went under contract for this 90,000 square foot building just south of the city of um, Chicago airport. And the mayor gave us a, her nonverbal approval. She was nodding her head. Yes. But she said, never said yes. And we went under contract and um, what turned out she had a change of heart and she came back and said, you know, I, I can't support that use. Um, but if you come up with something else, I'll, I'll support it. And so I called up my client. I said, Hey, I got this 90,000 square foot warehouse. Do you want to bring in your self storage consultants to see if it will work? And um, if not, no harm, no foul. If, if you want it, great. So they, he came in, they looked at it and said, the site's great. Uh, we only need 50,000 square feet. And then um, they changed it to 70,000. So we held 20,000. So we flipped it to him, but they said, we, we need someone to develop it. We don't know how to develop it. And I said, well, we'll develop it. And so they hired us to develop it. We had our 20,000 extra square feet. And then we flipped the whole thing to compass self-storage when it was all done, including our 20,000 square feet. And so, um, that was my foray into self-storage. And at that point in time, I learned a lot about the, um, the underlying financials of it. I understood the development side. I understood the construction, but we, I got to understand the business side of it. And uh, that's how we got into self-storage. And we've just continued doing it since then. So just for context for me, so what, um, what year was that when you guys actually had kind of developed that and then, and then flipped that to the, I think you said Compass Self-Storage was the company? Yeah, we went to contract in 13 and we built in 14 and we flipped in 15. Wow. Okay. So that was already six, six years ago. Um, and so now that's obviously progressed because you, you mentioned too there just a few minutes ago about um, your, your business, your business, uh, the one-stop self-storage, right? And so kind of, would you mind giving me a little bit of background uh, for the listener? What, what exactly is that? What is, I mean, one-stop sounds like I'm assuming it means you guys can kind of handle it all, but like who, what exactly it, it is worked. That, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's so simple, even I, even a realtor could understand it. Um, but what, what, when you say that, what, like, what do you mean by that? Like what all is in there that we, maybe we don't know is involved in self-storage because I know a lot of people like part of the reason I'm even in real estate is because I read rich dad, poor dad once. Right. I know a lot. And so they reference self-storage and other passive investments in there. So I know a lot of people that are like, they think they want self-storage, but no one really, it's like anything. You don't know what's involved until you get involved. So tell me more about one-stop self-storage and kind of what you guys do. Well, a lot of people say, well, I understand multifamily, but I don't understand self-storage. For me, um, self-storage is a more simplistic version of multifamily. It is the most basic concept. It's, it's apartments without toilets. It's apartments without kitchens and sinks. And um, because of that, we don't have a lot of the regulatory um, conditions that apartments have, especially like here in the city of Chicago, they make it, they penalize uh, landlord or land owners, uh, landlords to, in terms of the re uh, relationship with their tenants. So we don't have those sort of restrictions. So it's a lot more simplistic version of multifamily. <clears throat> but to answer your question, most transactions within self-storage are focusing around difficult times of change. And those transitions could be like divorce, displacement, um, death, or um, downsizing. 
And so when typically when people are looking for self-storage is because they're trying to address a problem. And for us, the focus of our company is how to solve that problem better than other companies. Most of the time when we, when we were looking at um, branding our company and developing our company, we um, had our interns call every single major REIT out there in our markets and ask them questions, you know, and try to find out how they went about their process of selling. And what we discovered was that every single one of them, it came down to the price. <clears throat> you know, we have a 10 by 10, it's $100. We have a 10 by 15, it's $150, whatever the dollar amount was. But they didn't try to solve the challenge or the problem or understand what their client was going through in order to um, enhance that experience. So for instance, if, you know, 50% of our customers are uh, businesses, 50% are residents. So does a business need to go there once a week? Do they need to go there twice a week? Do they, how frequently are they going? How much more important is location within the building for them versus someone who's only gonna go there once or twice a year? You know, there's two different, there's two different objectives. There's, there are two different goals. Yeah. And so the more that we understand about what the customer is going through, what we refer to as our client, our client is going through, then the better we can come up with a solution for them that will solve their needs. Obviously, size is one of those things, but getting the right size, getting the right location, getting the right price point, these are all factors that come into it to make sure that their experience is the best as possible. Awesome. So is your, let me ask you this, is your business, uh, you know, obviously, I got to imagine it's it's changed quite a bit over the last five or six years now that you, as you started doing this, do you, is that how much of your time or, or your business in Coda management, as well as like once is actually devoted towards self storage versus they all because I know you guys are involved in um, like uh, green homes and, and things like that and and other and other investments. How give me an idea like percentage wise maybe of assets and time um, are you spending in self storage? Well, we sold off all of our multifamily, so a hundred percent of our investment time is on self-storage. So wow. you know, we, we have facilities now from Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Kentucky, and Maine. And so we've developed this brand across the country and um, we we're starting construction in, in Louisville and we're on the design boards for projects in Florida as well as in Ohio. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I love that. You know, I think one of the key things that gets um, missed in our industry, not just our industry, probably, probably most others, is that when you, when we, when we narrow our focus, and in this case, self storage, our business and our world tends to get a lot bigger, right? Because as yeah. we get to go, we go deeper on, on that one thing that then actually opens up some, so many other opportunities. Um, and I see that, you know, constant theme with guests I have here on the show, and just other friends in the industry. Tell me about, um, what you know when when we're talking about setting this up, we're, one of the things we're talking about is kind of like, I guess, practical uh, passive investing. Like, you know, what are some of the tips you have for people out there? Because because again, most of my listeners here are going to be realtors, and there's some folks in title and and mortgage and stuff. But for the most part, it's going to be people out selling residential real estate that want to be investing. Like, they want to have passive investments, but they're not real sure. Maybe some of the finer points about it or really how to do it. What kind of advice do you have for folks like that? No different than our clients that we're trying to assist with um, identifying what is the best product for them. The same, I would say for people that are trying to get into passive investing, that you need to define what is it your goals are? What, are, what is it that you're trying to accomplish with the investment? 
So for instance, if we look at self-storage, people might say, well, it's self-storage. There's only one asset class, but there's really three And there. The three different assets, asset classes are not designated by um, how good the neighborhood is. It's the, it's the type of product. So a class C is like an, as a first generation self-storage facility, typically smaller, might be in a rural lo location. And it's a, the classic drive up. So you're, you're looking at maybe anywhere from 50 to 100 units. And we view that as like a penny stock. It's just going to have a good consistent yield. It's not going to do anything, you know, tremendous in terms of growth rate, but it's going to be a consistent small yield. Um, the next one would be the class B, which would be like a second generation or current generation of self-storage. So it might be more suburban. Uh, could be drive up, could have a fence, could have climate control, but typically between like maybe a, a hundred to 300 units. And um, that is going to be more like a blue chip stock. So you're going to have a, a better consistent yield on it. You might see a little bit of growth, but it's just going to be a good performing stock for you. And then class A is like the new urban facilities, which is what we're doing. Um, we're, you know, when we're converting, we are taking existing warehouses that are underperforming and converting them into self-storage and making them class A. And those are bigger facilities and those are more in urban settings where you actually drive into the building it's fully climate controlled you're you're fully inside the building when you unload things so you're dry safe and secure and those are typically above 400 maybe 400 to a thousand units and we see those as growth stocks so you're going to see both appreciation and get cash flow out of them but they take longer um, so they have different purposes they have different yields so whatever we say to someone is, are you looking for increase in your um, income? Are you looking for your net worth to increase? Are you looking for tax shelters? Are you looking for um, appreciation? These are all the different conversations that we have with people that approach us about uh, getting involved or participating with us because we wanna make sure that the, the asset class that is most desirous for them in terms of their goals and their challenges lines up. And if it doesn't line up, then then go in a different direction. And so that's where we begin a series of questions to get to understand what people can do. But the first thing that people I think should do is identify what is the goal for your investment? Are you just looking for a yield? Are you looking for growth? Are you looking for tax shelter? All those different things. So 50, I would say 50% of our investors um, are investing with us because they, they want the tax shelter. They're not as concerned about the growth. Gotcha. And then it, forgive my, you know, ignorance, just having, having, having never done this before, is that, is that typically people are together, it's like an investment group, is it someone like me, I call you, I'm like, hey, I've got X amount of dollars I want to invest, and I'm really interested in, you know, obtaining more income or obtaining, um, you know, tax shelter, what, you know, whatever the case is, after we kind of go through our consult, is it where you're usually taking me and pairing me with someone or I've got all the money, you know, as once I think, I think a lot of people that I talk to um, myself included, I've, I've done real estate investing, but not this specifically sort of want to do this or know more about it, but don't really know where to start. Or they might think like, Hey, I've got a, I'm going to be the one to pony up all, all of the upfront money. Like, how does that even, how, how, how do you start to have those dialogues with say a first time investor or someone who wants to at least dip their toes in the, in the storage uh, waters? Well, the first thing we ask is, you know, are, are you looking to do it yourself? Are you looking to hire us? Are you looking as a consultant? Are you looking to participate with us? You know, just different things along those lines. And we, you know, for instance, one of our projects, um, we were approached and said, hey, we want, what do you think about this property? We want to do it with you. And so 
the investor with us, brought it to us, and then we're helping facilitate it on their behalf. Um, and so, you know, there is that sort of relationship and other times where people say, no, I just want to be strictly be a passive investor. And I just want to, you know, um, act that way. So I want to be able to invest and then get the reports and know that you guys are handling it. So in each of those cases, it's different in terms of what, what each person is wanting to do or how they want to see the relationship. And so that's where those questions come in line. But I think that's the, the beginning part is understanding, okay, are you wanting to be a passive investor? And if you are, if you do, then are you accredited or non-accredited and what do you have to do in order to meet those requirements and, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, so whenever someone has the conversation, that's our director of sales and acquisition is always beginning the conversation is what do you see as your goals? What do you see as what do you see as your objectives? And then what are the challenges that you're facing? And it might be, I don't know anything about it. Can you tell me about you know, this whole industry, how does it work? Then we begin just having the conversation about self-storage and understanding it. And one of the things that we can do for you is, um, and for your listeners, if they want to learn more about self-storage, if they email us and, and reference the show, we'll send them a feasibility study. And the feasibility study um, is from a project that we did and it's historical. And so you can, and it, it not only describes the industry, but it describes the market where we were going after. And it's, it's very educational. It's about 175 pages. And it just, it goes into detail about why the market exists, why the market works and uh, about the industry. And then specifically about why that property works. Fantastic. And what's that email address? I'll make sure I get it in the notes. So it's info, I-N-F-O at Coda, C-O-D-A-M-G for managementgroup.com. Info at CodaMG.com. Awesome. All right. We'll make sure we get that on the notes for you guys. Um, so if you're listening right now on the go, it'll be there on the YouTube notes as well as the uh, notes on the podcast webpage. Um, I think that's great. What, what, what are some other things um, that tend to, I guess, maybe surprise people? Um, or um, maybe just be of news to them when it comes to self-storage? Because I've, I've, I'm assuming you're obviously a subject matter expert at this point, you know, click, clearly. Um, wow, that was a really dumb statement. So, but the, you know, it's why we're having the conversation. But what are some of the things that you tend to see catch people off guard or surprising them uh, about self-storage? Well, I think that the, the first thing that catches people off guard is just how predictable the model is. Um, when I was doing multifamily, it was, we were sort of like licking our finger, holding up and seeing which way the wind blew and, you know, is there demand, is there not, but, you know, the feasibility study is, is dwells down and digs in on a three to five mile radius. And if it's out in the country, like a, a 15 minute car ride, I mean, that is our market. So when people say, Hey, I want to do self-storage and I want to do it in Chicago, or I want to do it in St. Louis or wherever it is, that's too broad of a definition. We need to get into a very specific location so that we can study what the market um, supply and demand is for that three mile radius. And, you know, it's a very predictable model. And so it's, to me, that is one of the beauties of it is that the fact that how well it can be modeled out and then conversely, how well it does in recessionary markets. Those two factors are the biggest shockers for most people when they're learning about self-storage. What do you, do people really approach it that way? Like, I guess I would, um, and again, this is just maybe my sort of not understanding of view. I, I would think if I'm reaching out and saying, hey, Scott, you know, I really want to invest in self-storage. I guess 
first thing that comes to my head is I just don't care where it is, but rather my goal of maybe it's increasing that income or the tax shelter piece that we mentioned earlier, or something that'll, you know, increase in value over the next five or 10 years where I can have a, you know, an exit type of event to, uh, to create more, more cash in the future. To me, it seems like that would be the more obvious first goal or kind of first thought. Do people, do more people come to you with like, Hey, I want to have self storage in this location versus Hey, I want to help self storage because I want to increase my net worth or my my passive income. Uh, well, I would say you know there's two different types of people. One, you know, the passive investor says, "Hey, I want to get into it," and you know, I'm not as concerned about where it is. More importantly, I just want to make sure that the market is good. So, which then leads us to the next part, and we get weekly calls where people say, "I got a perfect property for self storage. You know, um, I really want to do it here." And then we look up the data on it and it's like the absolute worst place to have self-storage <laughs> because it's oversaturated. Right. And so that if it's oversaturated, then your rental rate is going to be too low. It's your lease up is going to take too long and you're never going to get those dollar amounts that you're hoping to get. And so understanding the market is, is vastly critical to making sure that if, if that's your goal is to be able to flip it, that uh, you have the, the economic ability to get to that point. And okay. so it becomes very, very strategic, very, uh, you know, up in front very quickly. Yeah. I know that that's I would, where we go to every single time. It's, it does seem like very, uh, to me, uh, there's obviously, we got to get down to no matter what I would, and same thing with any other investing, get down to, Hey, what are we really after here? We get, we got to get down there first and then, and then do our homework as to, you know, the best way to get there. Um, is what I'm really hearing. What are some What are some things you wish more of your either customers or clients or uh, potential clients or maybe even referral partners knew about your business and or self storage uh, that they you know don't like? If you could, I guess you, could, if you to take the Tim Ferriss question. If you could have a billboard that every single person who would ever sort of do business with you on one level or another, whether directly or indirectly, would see. What, what, what would be on that billboard? Well, I mean, it's hard to put that in a billboard, but for us, it's just like how thoroughly we analyze things and, and go through it. And, um, you know, the extents that we're taking to make sure that the investment is protected and doing well, um, that is our biggest, in, you know, objective that we have. Um, because without that, you know, the investment is, if, you, if we're not doing everything we can to protect it and make sure that it's good up front, then it's just an incredibly risky venture. Any real estate is, is risky, right? Yeah. So the more that we don't, aren't doing our due diligence, the more that we're not um, looking at every aspect of it and trying to improve every aspect of it, that makes, that increases the risk. And so we're trying to minimize the risk as much as possible through throughout the entire process. And for us, that's our, that's the biggest hallmark of what we've, I feel that we do is, um, you know, and that's the reason why we started our, our own brand, One Stop Self Storage. We had one of the largest REITs in the country running our facilities and we were seeing our expenses escalating, you know, growing 40, 50, 60%. And the lease up per, um, closures was well below market standards and it was just not sustainable. And so we, we, instead of just continuing the pattern, we felt we could make the necessary you know, steps to make sure that our investment was protected and that's was opening our own brand. So we, we've spent a solid eight months of the first, you know, the end of last year and the beginning of this year positioning and getting our, um, 
all of our strategy, all of our marketing, everything ready to go so that we could seamlessly transition it. And since we've done that, we've been outperforming the REITs in terms of closure, in, in terms of uh, revenue, in terms of expenses, all those things, we've been outperforming the REITs. That's fantastic. What, um, I guess, what's your, who's your ideal client? Like what, 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 that, what does that person look like? Meaning like, what are their features or mindsets or maybe even uh, liquidity like? What, Who's ideal for you when you meet them? You're like, oh, you know, this is going to be a great customer to work with, client to work with, potential partner. Like, what are the traits of that of that partner or client? Well, I think it's someone who understands real estate. Then they understand um, there's got to be a level of patience, especially what we're doing in terms of, you know, if we're developing something, it's got to be, you know, a three to five year investment. This is not a, you know, a quick flip. You know, these are type of things that we're, you know, it takes time. And it takes effort. And um, so they have to understand that there's a level of patience that's going to come along with us. Um, so that's from the investor side. Our, our client side really depends on each market because of the fact that we're, when we, when we learn that specific market, we understand the demographics of that market. And then we're adjusting the size of our units to meet that market. And so um, it could be businesses or people that um, are in transition. And so for, you know, our, our Dayton project is vastly different than our Chicago project. Our Chicago project, we have, um, you know, half a million people within three miles and 66% of them are renters. And our Dayton project, you know, half of our tenants are businesses. And so, you know, it's a, it's a vastly different market. So we understand, you know, when we're going into it, who we're trying to serve. That's fantastic. What other, what else should I have asked you about Wonder about self storage or or Coda in general or, or yourself that um, that I haven't yet. What, what would be a good? What's a good topic I've missed? Well, I think the the biggest thing where we see in terms of where there's too much supply, the indice, is it's called the uh, square foot per capita, and so where where supply equals demand is typically around seven in the country, seven square feet of lockers per per capita. Okay, and when we begin pushing above that that's when you see drops in the pricing. That's when you see your velocity begins to slow down and it takes longer to lease it up. And if we're below that, then obviously we can set the pricing more and we have faster lease up. And so we're always going into markets where we're below seven square feet per capita. And we're seeing like Florida is now pushing 11. There's 11 square feet of self-storage lockers per capita in Florida and the East coast is like nine and Texas is getting up above nine. And, um, same with California. So those are the markets that we're inherently, we're not trying to avoid them, but we're being very specific within those markets to make sure that if there is an area that we're below those numbers, um, because otherwise it's, it's just a recipe for disaster in terms of the lease up. Wow. Per, so square foot per capita. I'm just writing that down for my notes here. Um, that's, that's interesting. I never would have, would have thought, but that, I guess that makes a lot of sense. You're judging that based off of Hey, um, I need so many square feet or so many lockers per per X number of people, right? For every hundred people, I need X amount of X amount of storage space. So, exactly, um, that does make sense to me. That's fantastic. I, I got to ask you this: uh, more of a rapid fire question, nothing to do with uh, real estate. Are you Cub, Cubs fan or Sox fan? Cubs fan. Cubs fan. But okay. I, I don't root against the Sox. I mean, it, they're Chicago, right? So, but I I prefer going to a Cubs game than a Sox game. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, what about, or I assume you're a Bears fan. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Anything else uh, really Chicago about you that, that we got to, that, that you want to share or uh, anything, anything uh, maybe that most people don't know about Scott? 
Well, I think my first sports love team was the Blackhawks. And so that, that I grew up going to Hawks games, but that, w- that was always my favorite growing up with the Hawks. That's awesome, man. Well, Scott, I just want to say thanks a lot for taking the time to be here today and, and educating us on, uh, on not just self-storage, but kind of your journey and, and what you've been through. I think that's really cool. And number one, you gave, you personally, you gave me a lot to think about as far as the things that go into self-storage, but it was, for me, it was nice to have that reminder of as you actually got more narrow and more niched on what you're focused on, your business uh, and your world starts to get bigger. Uh, it's just a constant reminder of that, of that truth. So I just want to say thanks a lot for sharing that. My pleasure. And where, where would be the best place for, for any of our listeners uh, who wanted to kind of learn more? I know we got the email address, which we'll, we'll for sure put in the notes if anybody wants a copy of a study. Uh, but if someone wanted to connect with you, say on, on social media or website, what's the best way for people to kind of keep up with you? Well, there's CodaMG, so .com, C-O-D-A-M-G.com. And then they can also see our new website, which is OneStopSelfStorage.com. That's awesome. So that's OneStopSelfStorage. It's all written out, uh, .com. All right. We'll get then we'll get those on the note, show notes for you guys as well. And uh, Scott, I just want to say thanks a lot for being a guest here on the Kevin and Fred show. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. I know I did. And uh, we'll see you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Kevin and Fred's community at EXP Realty. Learn why over 1,000 real estate agents joined EXP Realty last week. Join us for an informational webinar this Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Register at intro to intro2exprealty.com.